Welcome to the podcast where ordinarily we take something old and compare it with something new and add something borrowed to make something who. Well, look, I'm Richard and welcome to Something Who podcast episode 73. And it's another of our special episodes. So I've been aware for a while of an independent film called Doctor Who Am I? And recently I've had the chance to watch it on DVD, though it's now widely available in the UK on a variety of platforms. And very excitingly for me today, I'm talking with Matthew and Vanessa, who created the film. So I wonder if you'd introduce yourselves, please, to the listeners of the podcast. My name is Vanessa Yule, and I am the co-director and editor of Doctor Who Am I? It's uh, a journey with me and uh, my co-director. Take it away. I'm Matthew Jacobs, and I'm co-director, and we're actually co-producers as well. You're looking at American Anorak, this is the <laughs> two of us. Um, this is the company, obviously, Gravitas in the States and uh, Kaleidoscope in the UK have been other distributors. And Matthew is the writer of the 1996 Doctor Who TV. Oh, movie. yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, which, which of course is, 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 is another reason for excitement yeah, for me and, and for our listeners. I, th- I mean, the film, I guess, I mean, you tell me what, what, what it is, but I, I think it's all about what it means to be a fan. Yes, um, I think that's a good reading of it. And, and I, th- I think it's, it's interesting as well, maybe as a way into this, how the lines are, are blurred maybe these days between being a fan and being a contributor or a filmmaker. I mean, particularly, I think, all of the modern showrunners, and, and I think I'd include the, the TV movie in this, you know, or, or for Doctor Who, have been fans in one way or another, as yes. well as as well as being creators. Yeah, certainly I, Philip was. Yeah, and well, also Chris Chibnall. Oh yeah, Chris, and yeah. he saw the movie and absolutely loved it. We met him at Gallifrey One, which is a convention in the United States. I'm sort of looking up his quote that he gave to us. It was um, it was interesting because he was looking at it in preparation, in a way, for going to Gallifrey. Yeah. So he saw it as a primer a little bit, <laughs> and that was what he said on the Radio Friscaro interview, which was nice. And he also he's given us a lovely quote, hasn't he, Vanessa? Yeah. Should, yeah. Should I read it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, this is the quote that uh, Chris it's- Chibnall gave us. Affecting and affectionate Doctor Who Am I, beautifully directed and edited by Vanessa Yule and Matthew Jacobs, is a compelling and surprising documentary like no other. It's a rich and beguiling piece of filmmaking, a revelatory personal odyssey into the heart of fandoms, family, and Doctor Who that will bring a smile to your face and a tear to your eye. I loved it. Packed full of wonderful cameos and contributions from beloved Doctor Who faces, this film explores what it means to put creative work into the world and how the passage of time affects the work, the creators, and the fans. It's essential viewing for anyone whose pulse quickens at the sight of a battered blue police box. Fantastic. I know. I'm very pleased. I think what he says there about, you know, I mean, just as you're saying, it's about becoming a fan or realizing, you know, the nature of your fandom. I think Chris also picked up on the fact that it's about people who are creatives who come back and their relationship with the people they're creating stuff for. Um, And I think that's happening more and more now. 
you know, the, the lines are well and truly blurred between the people who are creating and the people who are watching and with everything, with the complete democratization of the medium, it's, well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gray area. But I also think it's the flip side because we've had people talk about how watching the documentary makes them think or remember that there were creators yeah. and that their opinions might hurt, affect somebody else, that it's easy to kind of have your opinions out there and, you know, maybe be brutal with your opinions, but just kind of remembering, oh, there's a person at the end of that receiving end. So a few people have, yeah. have mentioned that. So it's kind of both ways on the creator side and as, as a fan, like what you say, you know, it'll land somewhere. I think that's a very interesting observation because it, it and it comes to the, the nature of our interactions too. Matthew followed our podcast a little while ago, I think maybe more than a year ago. And when that happened, I mean, that was that was exciting. I guess this, this was on Twitter. It was exciting. But also I, I had this, this sort of heart sink moment because I'm creating something that I expect at most 500 people are going to listen to. And, uh, and, I, and I don't expect any of those 500 people are, are actually, you know, working on the shore of, of, of any kind of creative relationship with it. So, so, so to suddenly think that the words that we put out there, you know, honestly and affectionately, but, you know, sometimes, as you say, a bit cutting, are actually going to, to be heard by the people responsible for creating it. It suddenly gives you an extra level of responsibility. And you think, yeah, you know, it, it isn't, you know, the things that we say actually do have an impact. So, yeah, interesting observation. Well, I was keen to, I mean, about a year ago, we were trying to really build our audience yeah. before we, we played Sci-Fi London. And so I was trying to rebuild my uh, my Twitter so I was reaching out to all interested parties and sometimes came across people who, <laughs> who, who, who sometimes you get, I'll follow you, I'll follow you, I'll follow you, I'll follow you. This whole business of social media is very weird indeed. And You're much better at it than I am. Matthew <laughs> gives me like social media pep talks and I'm just like, this is not my thing. I. So Matthew is, is the one who teaches me how to do things. Yeah. I think it's a little bit like one of these pyramid schemes. I think that the earlier got, you got into it, the more followers you have and the more impact you make. It's, I think it's yeah. very hard these days to, to build that. I think so. I think, I mean, I've done a couple of movies now that have relied on social me media, even for funding, you know. So it's become a, um, it's become a thing. Hmm. It's become a thing. Social media, it's become a thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, so, so look, I'm, I'm, it's I'm, early here. Yeah, absolutely. So the start of, of the of the film, you say something that's interesting. You said, I didn't go to conventions for a very good reason. I thought the fans would kill me, yeah. um, which is, you know, it's an interesting statement. I, I mean, did, did, well, I didn't was, think was, they'd literally kill me. No, no, no. But, I, but, it would but, make a really good documentary. It would. It made, <laughs> that would be. Well, that was kind of where it came from in some yeah. ways. In 2015, end of 2014, Vanessa and I met up, and she didn't know that I'd, I'd even written a Doctor Who, and I was being invited to conventions all over the place, and we thought it would be an interesting it would just be an interesting adventure. We didn't really know what would happen at that time, but it certainly was a fear of mine 
because the the reaction had been quite vitriolic against the half human thing, certainly, you know, in the over the years. And so I didn't really understand the nature of fandom at that point at all. So it was fascinating for us to sort of make this journey. Well, it just seemed like a comedic setup because I know Matthew. Matthew's very funny. And as I didn't know that he wrote The Eighth Doctor, even though I know he'd written Indiana Jones and, you know, Emperor's New Groove. He never talked about it. But it just seemed like it would be a great setup. It just seemed funny. And then Matthew also saw that it could be funny. I just, the fact that fans went crazy about the doctor being half human or kissing his companion. I thought that was just kind of funny. Like, mm. wow, people get so passionate about these choices that he made. And so it was then within two months, we had pulled together a small crew and started filming. So it was very, very quick from the idea to actually filming. It was like, yeah, yeah let's just make a movie. Let's just do was, something else. And we had a tremendously support, tremendous amount of support from Sean Lyon who's the showrunner at Gallifrey One, yeah. and from Daphne Ashbrook. And Daphne was very keen, you know, who plays Grace Holloway yeah. in the TV movie. And Daphne was very keen to help, and she introduced us to a lot of the people that you see us interviewing in the film. Right. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Daphne being the American ambassador, she was the sort of gateway into this, you know, American fandom for us. We so didn't I, know what we were going to get. Yeah, so I was just going to ask you that. I mean, it it, it sounds that way that, that you've you've got some some ideas there. You, it's clearly it's, it's Matthew going into the the realm of fandoms to see what happens, but the you, you couldn't have predicted, I guess, what the shape of the film would be at that exactly. stage. Exactly, exactly. What you see, I hope you got the feeling what you're see, that what you're seeing is a a documentary sort of finding its story. It's yeah. not like a documentary where we've got a whole pile of information to give you, you know, if you can interviews and nice shots. It's it's a documentary where the documentary itself is the story yeah. as much as anything else. So it has more in common with, you know, Marcel Shell, you know, with shoes on than a lot of documentaries. So it's a story. Yeah, we wanted to make sure that it was accessible to everyone, even if they didn't know about Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to focus on universal themes. Knew that. I mean, when we started out, maybe Matthew was thinking is more about the fans yeah. and really pushing the fans. And I'm like, no, but Matthew, you're in the story. You you're sit with, with the with the. You sit with them. Sit together. Have the a camera, conversation. In front of the camera, and because. Anyway, it's fascinating showing it during this past year. We're getting near, normally when an indie film like this comes out, there's a year of, you know, dragging, if you're lucky, dragging the film around festivals. And in our case, it's not just been festivals, it's been Doctor Who conventions. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, every month for the past few months, we've been going to places Tomorrow, we're heading off to Omaha in Nebraska. I've never wow. been to Omaha in Nebraska. I'm really looking forward to it. I've driven um, through. <laughs> very flat. That's right. So there's a lot of, you know, uh, I'm seeing I'm seeing sides of America. I'm seeing more of America taking the film out than we did when we were making the film. Um, so so it's a it's been it's been fascinating. And generally speaking, 
you get the feeling that it really, I got the feeling that it really is the American fan that kept the show alive, that we wouldn't be looking at 60 years of Doctor Who history if the American fan hadn't been there really pushing it through the 90s. Obviously, the minute it got taken up again by, you know, obviously Big Finish, massively important. 2005, massively important. But none of that would have really happened if it hadn't been for the sort of 280-odd thousand Doctor Who fans in the 90s who really pushed for the TV movie to happen. Interesting also that we, we've got American money again, I suppose, with this Disney Plus deal yes. for this the new series. It's uh, when, again, maybe things started to look like it, 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 they weren't quite as, um, as solid as they might be. That's right. There's a love of the Doctor in this country that I think stems from the fact that in this country, people feel free to reinvent themselves. So they identify with this idea of um, regeneration. I think that I think that's what sits underneath it. And maybe I mean I don't know if you feel the same. But it's... Well, I think so. There's that. I just think that Americans love throwing themselves into something that they love, yeah. and the show is so unique because it crosses so many generations and reinvents itself with the time. So it stays current in its own way. So it always picks up new fans. And the fact that it was probably hard to get for so long that it created, had a cult status around it. So anything that it's like, you know, if you're in the know, if you know about this show, then you, that creates its own little community in a sense. But with Dis you mentioned Disney Plus, and that is quite fascinating because there are certainly the hardcore fans here who've loved the show for so long, but it's going to open up the gates to so many more people. I mean, Disney knows how to franchise, knows their franchise. So it's just going to open. Yeah, there are just going to be so many more fans. It's going to be exciting. Really? Well, well it's, it's funny because it, it's exactly the situation that happened in the UK. So for throughout the, the the 1990s, I guess, when, you know, when the TV movie happened, Doctor Who was a bit of a joke in the UK. And, and it, you know, if you were like me, I suppose I was in my 20s, early 30s during that period. Uh, it was, you'd sneak into somewhere like WH Smith, which is a, a news agent, and buy, and buy Doctor Who magazine. But it was so embarrassing, you know, to go to the <laughs> checkout for this, for this magazine about a children's programme. It would almost have been preferable to buy you know, a, a, an adult orientated magazine, because it because at least kind of that would have been expected behavior. Um, <laughs> would and, you like buy a regular magazine and then slip <laughs> the Doctor Who magazine under Doctor it? Who magazine <laughs> yeah. into a copy of Playboy. Yeah, uh, that's that. Playboy into a copy yeah. of, you know. That's it, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that kind of thing. But then in, in 2005, when Russell T. Davis brought the, the show back, suddenly, and it's a massive hit in the UK, and then everybody's a Doctor Who fan, particularly with when David Tennant was was Doctor Who. And then suddenly right. you're having to, you know, this thing that that you were the kind of guardian of for 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 ten years when nobody wanted to know. Suddenly everybody wants to be a fan, and it is a funny experience. I'd be interesting to 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 see how that impacts fandom in in the in the US as well, because it, it you know they're going to have to share it, I suppose. Yeah. Yes. I think it'll be a mix. There'll be people who f are feeling validated, being like, see, I told you this was an amazing show. Yeah. And then there are other people who are gonna be like, oh no, now everyone, now I have to share this with everyone. 
you know, I'm sure there are people who it's just we kind of go into it in the documentary a bit, like how fandom can be, you know, obsessive or I mean, possessive mm. a bit. People like want it's like theirs somehow because it's such a, a personal experience. So you're going to have some people who are happy to share and other people who aren't, you know, just like on a playground. So that's probably what'll what'll happen. But everyone will know the doctor. It'll be exciting. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's that moment that you capture, I think, Matthew, in, in the documentary where, you know, somebody comes to you for an autograph. And I suppose, you know, for the, you, you know, there's the, there's the, say you say $20 a signature for that kind of two, five minutes, however long it is, you belong to them, I suppose, in that moment. And they have, a, have that kind of very intense personal experience. And then I guess it's over and done with. Yeah, I've got better at it. Um, <laughs> it was like what you Much see in better. the documentary, what you see in the doc, yeah. But what you see in the documentary is literally the first couple of times that I signed anything, really. Yeah. And so I'm very like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, give me the money. Go. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and then bit by bit, I start becoming, I start enjoying it, really. I mean, Paul McGann is interviewed in the film quite a bit. And yeah. he's like, uh, we often say, he's like the sort of Yoda of the story. And he and he sort of points out the simple joy that's involved for both sides of people meeting people who have been part of creating things, something they love. And it's just as joyous, I think, for the creators, really, to be getting that familiarity and that love that comes from from people. Well, just just that it's it's really a lovely feeling. I mean, I've been traveling around with the Doctor Who actors this year, and we, Vanessa. It's been like mm -hmm. it's these people, these people, um, <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who actors who are on the road like all year, yeah. all over the world, traveling around. I mean, I don't know how long Fraser Hines has been doing it. He's he's been doing it since the eighties. Yeah. I don't know how he gets up in the morning but it's, it's kind of like it's it's incredible it's definitely a well it's a fascinating world yeah yeah i mean i i had to i've had you know done some signatures first it's very strange but i think we got into a groove at gallifrey which was in february yeah. um in los angeles and we kind of got into a bit of a groove and to the point where matthew is just wanting to chat to everyone where it's like oh wait okay, Matt, we have a line of people we gotta gotta <laughs> we need to get this going okay uh, I'll, I'll unwrap uh, the dvd chat. okay we'll get this like going but you gotta stop talking gotta move on <laughs> i think that was our our most sort of like organized or i felt a little bit yeah i felt more comfortable yeah. doing that but it was nice it's wonderful tr and to chat to people and to chat with people who are in the movie and were so excited to see themselves yeah. and didn't know that they were in it so it was it was quite fun for us even like in the documentary there's um matthew's doing signatures with somebody and um it's a funny exchange the uh no sex please he's british yeah. <laughs> i don't know how much we want to give away in that scene but it's very funny and Matthew ha yes, Matthew has an interaction with one of the fans who brings up a is it Doctor Who magazine? Yeah, Doctor Who yeah. magazine with no sex, please. We're British. He's he's British, and then he says, he, "No sex, please." He's Matthew Jacobs, and then in the film, this is a spoiler alert, especially for your for your podcast listeners. In the film, I then say, 
oh, I was going to draw a penis, but I don't <laughs> think that would be very appropriate. And the guy's looking shocked. And he says, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> a penis over his lovely swimming suit. And, and I'm thinking, of course, I would never, ever say that now. But then I was saying it. I was saying it in a jokey way. And I think mm. he took it in a jokey way. And no, not, none of the of the conflict in the, in the film is... Well, I don't know, actually. But but for the most part, when fans attack me, they're doing it with a smile on their face. Yeah. Um, they're saying, they're saying, you know, we hated that. You know, you destroyed my child. You're almost not as bad as George Lucas, but you destroyed our childhood a bit. And then they're saying things like that. But at the same time, I know that they're, that they're not going to kill me. Yeah. Um, they're, just, they're just being honest about their opinions, which is quite yeah. possible. I mean, I mean, I, I guess my my take on that it, it did seem like there was a twinkle in the eye, at least, you know, that that, okay. that that they were being honest about about the fact that it that it did hurt, but maybe enough time had passed, and you know, when when you're with the when you're with a person, you 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 can't really maintain that level of upset anyway, I suppose. I think so. And as a writer, it's different to being an actor. Actors. They really are the, the front line. Yes. Um, uh, but but as a writer, they don't really know who you are. They don't really care. They, they don't pay for writers' air tickets to go to places. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's like sometimes they do, but very rarely. For the most part, writers are the, are the sort of poor, poor relatives. Well, in uh, Doctor Who, it seems like they're a bit more. They are, yeah. definitely. I mean, if Russell T. Davis wants to go anywhere, something like that. But, 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 but they don't really... <sighs> What was that? <laughs> Someone literally with a pneumatic drill wow. drilling outside the apartment. So I don't think there's anything I could do about that. They are they are literally outside that window. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> Going through the deck. They don't bring the house down. That is that this is not gonna be usable, is it? Well no. it'll just be a funny interlude. It's a funny interlude. It's fine. Yeah, it. we'll find a way of making it work. <laughs> Could I get into, move. go let into the corner. Can, yeah, let me see if I can move somewhere else. Hmm. Um, yeah, I can move away. But they are literally just outside the window with a, with a, with a pneumatic drill. Right. About. Let's just keep going and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, mean, I, was, I was going to say, I mean, you, you kind of uh, made the point already, but I mean, Paul McGann is a star, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a genuine movie star, whereas I guess, you, you know, some of the other some of the other actors you've talked about, and, and, and I guess you as well, it, it, you become a star in that particular setting, but it's not it's not sort of naturally happening to you. That's right. That's absolutely right. Um, but I'm, start, I'm, I'm most definitely starstruck. <laughs> So I've got pneumatic drill outside. So get me out of here because my head's too big to get to the front door. <laughs> and what's your involvement? Have you been a fan all the time? Have you been, or have you ever written anything for the for the any fan fiction? Or what's your? No, I mean, so my experience is is that I've been I've been an enthusiast since I was you know five years old. I'm fifty five now, so I suppose I've been a fan for fifty years. Yeah, but my, my contribution, I suppose, is is making this podcast, uh, contributing at various times to fanzines in the 80s. I had a long period of time, though, uh, perhaps like yourself, when I, I was always always have affection for the programme, but 
when I got married in the early 90s, from then through till probably when, when the show came back in the mid-2000s, I kind of tried to suppress it. I got, you know, I was so many other things to do. But but more recently, I've, I've, I've allowed it to overflow again. Oh, that's sweet. So, that's but the good. love was always there, but maybe the content wasn't there. So now it's... Uh... Yeah, potentially that, and, and, and but I think also, you know, we we see some fans in your film who I don't I don't know it, but it feels like it's you know it, it's such a big part of their lives that it, that it kind of really fills it. And and for me, it you know it's obviously it's a big part of my life because of the longevity of it, but it's one aspect of it, you know. And uh, and there, there are other things that I do. Have I, you been to conventions like because? Yeah. I- Okay, but 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 I mean, I have to say that conventions in the UK are, are a different kind of a thing. I mean, Nick Briggs, I think, mentions that in the film. That <laughs> yeah, and, and I think also one of your American contributors says, you know, they look like they've just come from a bus stop or something. You know, and, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, I mean, we it, it is a bit like that. I mean, we we don't dress up quite so much. It's you know, we we will we'll sit and chat in the bar, and you know, we have we you know, once we've had a drink or two, we have opinions and we share them and, and we can be passionate about that but it but we're not maybe trying to live as characters from the show it's you right. know we're maybe standing a little bit of a distance from it and you know i don't know whether that's good or bad i mean I'm, i i certainly wouldn't criticize that the american fans it's it seems like it's a really as, as you say a kind of wholesome experience for them but it's, it's it, it is it is definitely a different thing Right. I I mean, that's so it sounds like a meetup. So you get to a bar or something and then you just chat about the show. It's like, oh, you love this. I love this, too. Sort of that yeah. more casual. Yeah. I mean, we, we, when we do get guests to come along, you know, we, we, we meet people like Fraser Hines. And but I guess, yeah, it's I don't I don't think you, you, you'd find quite so many unusual characters. It's It's more like a kind of I don't know. We, you know, we're geeks, so we kind of, you know, you, you, you perhaps, you, you perhaps look at them, and it's not like a football crowd or something. But at the same time, it's it's, it's maybe not quite su- such a an out of body experience coming and, and taking part in something like that. Right. I mean, Americans just love dressing up, like to have a party, yeah, for whatever reason. So it's yeah, going to a convention in the U.S. is definitely colorful. People wear their fandom on their sleeves, their earrings, their, you know, clothes, everything, embracing creativity and sharing it with people and that sort of thing. It's a very extroverted experience. And Mm. even if you're an introvert, they encourage, they encourage everyone to come out of their their shell and and be bold and be big. Mm. Um, So if you were to cosplay, if you were to, to, to cosplay a doctor or a character, who would you be? Well, I probably would go for uh, Peter Davison, the Fifth Doctor. Peter uh, Davidson. He's, he, That's um, great. Yeah, I mean, he's. It's, I mean, there's the cricketing thing, and I used to play cricket, and he happened to be the Doctor when I was in my early uh, teens. So, so it, I guess it was a time when I connected with it in a particular way. So, I suppose it would be that. I can't honestly see it happening, but <laughs> but, 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 but that's probably what I would do. They, they used to have these these great thing. I mean, it was like a T-shirt that had the costume so, so so it was like it looked like you're wearing a jacket and a, and a and a shirt or whatever but it was just a t-shirt so yeah i, I could see myself maybe wearing wearing a, the fifth doctor one of those okay well there you go there you go <laughs> 
So the idea is brewing. It's in there now. Then you're slowly like, you're like, oh, celery. Okay, I'll I'll do this. Oh, this, that. Before you know it, you'll have a whole costume. (laughs) Yeah. So so I'm interested about about the reaction this time around then, because in the film we see what it was like in 2015 going around the conventions as the man who, who wrote the TV movie and uh, making a film about about founder but but now you're going back presenting a film i mean w- what's the reaction been like this time well i, I think there's a lot of you can still can you still hear the drill yeah i think we can probably not noise reduce it so don't worry just 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 you can noise reduce it so i'll just keep going okay well gradually the the sort of legacy of the uh, tv movie has sort of approved over the years people um, you know, get a lot more out of it than I think they used to. And especially they'll get together in groups and watch it. It's a very audience-friendly little feature film. So generally speaking, people just come up and tell us how much they love the TV movie and they're they're very supportive of... Obviously, there's a growing lobby lobby out there for for Paul McGann to have his own spin-off thing. Right. But I think I think that um I think that generally speaking it's we feel like we've become a part of this family now and it's 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 a rather lovely lovely feeling isn't it Vanessa? Yeah, I would uh, agree with all of that. I mean generally I think there's more awareness especially in the states for who Paul McGann is as the eighth doctor because he's sort of popped up in the show now and you know he's much he he was always popular but he's even more popular now and as matt right. said people want him to have a spin-off and i think there's just yeah now that we are a bit more in the family uh, or this community we've been making this documentary for so long people have known about it so mm. i think there's also just this genuine happiness from people of oh my gosh you finished it (laughs) a where where you know people are excited and enthusiastic for it just because it's like we've been at it for so long yeah people know what trolls are i mean i think when we started (laughs) in 2015 people were still exploring that in some ways but now but now you know with what we do in the shadows with all sorts of you know, energy vampires with things like that. The idea of the online troll is over there. And and I think fandom in a way is a lot less toxic um, than it maybe once was. I think, I, the idea I think the people toxic, would argue Maybe they would argue that. But we've we've had relatively few toxic responses. We've had a few people who just don't understand what we're doing. But that's okay. Sorry about this noise really. It's like- okay. Okay. I don't I generally I, I don't think we've had anything really bad said about it. If anything, it's just people there. Of course, we were ex, we expect people to not get it. You know, you can't have a 100, a pure tomato read reader reading or whatever. But, you know, it is a documentary. It's not just about the TV movie. There is a, you know, beginning, middle and end. It's a journey. So it's sort of a standalone documentary film. And you get information about Doctor Who and Matthew's experience and the TV movie, but it's really his personal story. So if there are people who are maybe upset that it wasn't a little bit more like 
digging deep into the behind the scenes of everything. But no, that's just not what we are setting out to do. Yeah, I I find it hard to imagine that people could take too much offence because when it's funny, it feels like it's funny with people rather than poking fun at people. And, and and it still feels very celebratory to me. So so yeah, I, I think that would, it would make it hard to 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 take offence too much offence. Yeah, when I, whenever I'm being mean to someone, I'm the one who looks bad. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, that's simple. Um, and so so it's like poor Andrew Cartel, Cartmel. You know, I'm, I mean, I I'm a bit dismissive toward him. I think, but I'm the one who looks like a bad guy. You know what I mean? So I told him that. And and they signed the release. <laughs> well, well, we everyone was so nice. We didn't have like there needed to be tension, and so the villain in the beginning or the anti-hero is is Matthew. And so if he dishes it out, dishes it out to people, he has to get it back in the end. And that's what we sort of build towards in the second act, third act is just, you know, if Matthew's being sort of a shit to people, then we have to see him change and and take that all on. So that's sort of the surprise. I always say sort of like layers, little an onion with different layers. Yeah. (laughs) And then you get to Matthew's experience. It's hardly the worst thing that's ever happened to Andrew Carmel anyway, I'm sure. Even he's fine. Can... I really like him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he, uh, no, he's a really good bloke, and, and yeah. I've met him at quite a few conventions since the one convention where we filmed him in 2015. So it's it's good. I'm coming over to do the capital uh, about the TV movie, not really oh, yeah. about the documentary. I'm coming over to do the capital convention in in April. Mm-hmm. So if any of your listeners are going there, come along and say hi. That'd be great. Yeah, I, and. I mean, I don't want to give too much away because because I think people will, will want to w- watch the film. I mean, one other aspect that you certainly discuss is your your other connection with Doctor Who, you know, the one from your childhood when your father yeah. was in the show. I don't yes, think that's. Want to say uh, that. I, I mean, it was a sort of conscious decision to sort of hold that back structurally in the in the film because as you're watching the film, bit by bit, I don't know whether you got this sensation, Richard. But bit by bit, it says, "Oh, we're going. Oh, we went." It takes you a little bit by surprise when you go, "Oh, this isn't just about you know the TV movie. This is also about gunfighters. This is yeah. also about his dad. This is also oh, this is about a family. This is about you know." And at each stage, like Vanessa was saying, peeling the onion. At each stage, you go a little deeper, but you're not quite sure what's going to happen next. So when it sort of comes out, oh. Yeah, that was my dad. He was in that. That doesn't really come about. So we're quite a way into the movie. Mm. So it's one of those films that I think, oh, we've been so pleased by the reaction that we got in the mm. UK. I mean, we've you know, people see it in a different light. The review, the little review in the Sunday Times a couple of weeks ago, I think on the when it when it really was set up on ITVX and on Ripbox, mm-hmm. um, that little review you know wrote about it, saying that it was profound and moving, a profound and moving film about failure. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> Very good. You're right. Huh. Yeah. And, but, a movie and I a never profound saw film about <laughs> failure, fandom, and the redemptive religious properties of the longest running BBC sci fi drama series. It's the Sunday Times. They like those sentences. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's very, but it's very good. They took it very seriously, which we, we were very grateful for. I mean, it's fascinating. Also, I think that that the Gunfighters has, has had a similar trajectory, maybe to the TV movie, in that there was a there was a point in the nineteen eighties when people who hadn't seen it for for twenty years developed this theory that it was the worst Doctor Who story of all time, and yet. For those of us who, who saw it later on when it came out on DVD and since, I mean, it it, it is a, a fun story. William Hartnell is really funny in it. He really has the opportunity to show his, his his comedy skills. And you know, okay, maybe there's the there's the old Duff American accent in it. I mean, I can't really tell. I'm, I, as you know, I'm not from there. But 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 you know, it, it is it is a good story. It, yeah, and, and particular uh, Doc Holliday is a great character in it. Well, you have Doc Holliday, and then. In the TV movie, the Doctor goes to America and teams up with Doc Holloway. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> so that wasn't deliberate. Yeah, it was not. It was not deliberate. I. It was only when we were making the documentary that I went. And head went. I. You know these echoes that happen in your life. I think it happens to everybody. Suddenly they'll find themselves doing something in their 40s or in their 30s. They won't realize what they're doing. They started doing it when they were seven or, or eight. We keep on echoing, I like to call it a fingerprint, but we keep on echoing similar themes and questions throughout our work. Yeah. And the other thing I think about the, t- the TV movie is that whatever, whatever anyone says about it, I've almost universally heard that people love the character of the Eighth Doctor, and yeah. you know that kind of enthusiasm for life, which you know comes from your writing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a combination, but but definitely it's the right. You know, he's he's, he's working. And the nice thing was, was when we were talking to Paul. Obviously, my memory of the shoot was either I was constantly in a hotel room rewriting mostly stuff for the master, mostly plot stuff toward the end. So when I spoke to Paul, I said, I had to do all that rewriting. And he said, no, he wasn't aware of the rewriting. So I think the director, you know, Jeffrey Sachs and Philip Mm -hmm. and and the, the production team shielded him from the constant sort of rewriting that was going on. So from his point of view, the dialogue that I wrote for the Eighth Doctor all pretty much came out, came out ready-made. I'd been itching to write the Doctor all my life, and I just didn't realize it. And there it was on the page, and mm. right from the first draft, people who look into the TV movie right up to the finished film can see that the dialogue for Paul never really changed. Right. There just has to be another release of the TV movie. Yeah. To make it more available, it needs to be streaming. And it's not just, I mean, I love Paul's doctor, but I think Daphne was just a great companion too. She's She's just, you know, this American, strong, funny. Yeah. She's just great. There's that amazing scene where she she walks through the hospital in the opera dress. Yeah. Running. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really stunning. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, it's, there's a tradition of Grey's Anatomy. There's a tradition of hospital dramas. And we were filming in one of those hospitals. We were filming with a crew that was that had been doing the X Files. So that was it. Was very much that weird feeling. So how so how does it feel then, uh, Vanessa? After I guess you know seven years to seven and a half years, whatever it is, you know, to be able to release it and be able to show it to the world. I mean, it, I suppose it's as you say, it's been about a year now that you've been showing it. It's incredible. I mean, you you see in the documentary how much, you know, Matthew reveals himself and is quite vulnerable and goes to all these places. It's just been the two of us. I've been behind the camera most of the time or editing and everything else. And so both of us have been pouring our heart and souls into the production of this film, you know, money, career choices, whatever. For me, this is my calling card. It was didn't know it was going to take over seven years and it's like finally it's out there yeah. and people are enjoying it so there's a, and it was just a long a journey that neither of us knew would take so long and of course we had a pandemic in between and so it, it's it was hard to find the money even though we have a huge franchise behind us it was just just the two of us being convinced that we had a great story mm. and all of the people who there's just a lot of validation, I guess you can say it's like, we know we have something here. We know that this will appeal to, to the core audience. There are people who don't know anything about Dr. Who who can still follow this. And Matthew's story is story is honest. We just wanted to do something genuine, honest, purely indie. And so it's fantastic. We really couldn't be happier with how it is it's still sort of unreal to me because it's been so long but it feels awesome i mean i'll, I'll say that it's certainly awesome that we can i can tell my mom oh mom it's available on amazon you know that sort of thing even just yeah. that is great but yeah. matthew how do you feel it's- <laughs> <laughs> They are literally. Oh, they're drilling. still going at it. They they're are drilling going. their way into oh. this apartment. I'm concerned that they don't have building permit for this. To be quite honest, <laughs> uh, I feel like what's his face at the beginning of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Arthur, um, Dent. Arthur Dent. <laughs> like, I like, here I am doing a podcast, and then suddenly a guy with a pneumatic drill decides to build a road through my apartment. <laughs> I agree with you totally, Vanessa. It's been a long journey, but this is a journey that, you know, we've been in and out of it. It's not like we spent seven years totally all the time working on it. Like so many documentaries take a while, but but it's been a long journey. I don't want people thinking that if they hire us to make it, it's going to take us seven years. Um, So so well, there was a pandemic, and the pandemic has really added two years. So I think I think I really, if you ask me what I think. I feel the same. I feel so grateful that we've kind of got to the end. I'm itching now to do something fresh. I so would say, fun. though, I mean, I did, for instance, quit my job no, I know. and took but off like seven, job. eight months <laughs> and then did freelancing in between. It's yeah. always been freelancing and then yeah. putting my money into the documentary yeah. or exactly. freelancing, taking time off to do things. So it has been for me this constant mm-hmm. thing that has to to be finished at some point right. i've put so much time and money in 
I just have to keep putting the time and money in to finish it. <laughs> and so there you go. Well, so well, the next project will have a budget. Thing, yeah. <laughs> the great budget. thing here is, is that we did get it out there. It is, yes. and you know, it is being seen. Many people, they make documentaries for, for decades, sometimes and the films never get seen. There, there's an awful lot of documentaries sitting around that scene. So that's where we've been really lucky, I think. Is that there's there's an audience, yeah, yeah, and, and what you said, Vanessa, about it's on Amazon. I mean, it, it, it's one of the one of the joys of, of making a podcast is, I mean, anyone can do it with a very minimal amount of software. You upload it onto a podcast host for a few pounds a month, and then it's listed alongside people you've actually heard of. I mean, that's not to say that anyone's actually going to listen to it, but at least what it means is that you have the opportunity to be heard. And to be presented, you know, alongside everyone else. So, yeah, I mean, it's not exactly democratizing because big companies are able to put much more, much bigger marketing budgets behind it. But nonetheless, you're still there. You still can be reached. Yeah, it's, it's the marketing that separates. Yeah, um, you know, that gets. I mean, we're on we're on ITVX and and BritBox in the UK, so we're now very accessible. Yeah, that's so people are able able to to sort of watch it, and then. Here on the in in America on the in North America on the twenty eighth of March it comes out across the board pretty much you know not just Amazon but iTunes Apple TV and and uh, you know it's YouTube. available for purchase so we're yeah. not on not like streaming, the streamers yeah, yeah. but it yeah. that that will happen initially it's a purchase and then we've we've got we've even got a screening you know fingers crossed which is waiting for the full green light here in Los Angeles at American Cinematheque, which is a very good arts house um, and has a massive following. So hopefully that's on the 19th. That's only, that's next Sunday. Right. Um, and then, then the following weekend, then it comes out. And then what do we do next? You know, what now? Just sleep. sort of relax and <laughs> chill out and just like do nothing. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's get on the little, the get on the wheel again, and just like the next things, you know. Yeah. Hopefully, they won't take as long. Well, look, I mean, I I would hugely recommend uh, people listening to this that you go out and find it via whatever means. I mean, I I, I bought a DVD, but but yeah, I mean, as you say, it's now available on, on Britbox as well. If, if you want to do that, and and as you say, shortly coming to the to the states. But it yeah, it's, I region, mean, it's a region three Blu-ray on right. Amazon in the UK. Yeah. So, so wherever you are, you can yeah. buy that. Yeah, and 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 I think I think if you if you're a fan of Doctor Who, there's plenty to to see. But as you say, it's just a heartwarming film, regardless of of what your affiliation is. Thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for interviewing us today. Yeah. Well, look, th- thanks for thanks just for giving me your time, and particularly thanks for uh, for talking to me through um, somebody vandalizing the outside of your place. <laughs> You know your uh, your documentary was a was a story, and uh, this podcast has become a story as well. You know we'll we'll, yes. we'll, we'll always remember the, the day they started drilling outside Matthew's uh, apartment. Yeah, you interviewed three of us, including the jackhammer. <laughs> if it's unusable, then... I think it's funny. <laughs> yeah. I actually think it's funny. I don't think yeah. there are many podcasts around that you have two guests and a drill. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm going to make it a regular feature, but definitely, definitely, it, it, it will. It will add. It'll add to this one. So, so yeah, yeah. And we we love the sense of the absurd as well. So it's great. Very good. Thank you. Well, so, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, that yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, sign off. Great. I'm going to mute my thanks. This is very noisy. Okay. Now we can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs>